This is a Hog Sports Network podcast. You're listening to the Whole Hog Football Podcast, bringing you the latest news, analysis, and more. Here's your host, Matt Jones, with Scotty Bordelon of the Hog Sports Network and WholeHogSports.com. Arkansas's 1-0, a 56-13 victory over Western Carolina last Saturday at War Memorial Stadium in Little Rock. Don't really know how much we can take out of that game. Western Carolina was totally overmatched on one hand, but on the other hand, the Razorbacks uh, beat an opponent like that the way that you would expect a good team to beat an opponent like that. So we'll try to break it down today with Scotty Bordelon and Ethan Westerman. I'm Matt Jones. Uh, let's start with you, Scotty. Just your your overall takeaways from Arkansas winning this game. It, it was never really close. They go up 21 to nothing after four possessions. It's 35 to three at halftime. They were able to get some backups in and play the fourth quarter. It, it seemed like going into it, it was pretty much uh, lockstep with, with how you'd want a game like this to go. Yeah, I think so. And I thought, you know, I didn't write about this on Saturday because I knew, I think Bob was writing a, a sidebar, the lead note in the notebook package was going to be on KJ. But I thought KJ did just about everything you wanted him to do. I mean, he was efficient, which I think we've become accustomed to him being efficient. Looked pretty good on his deep ball. Uh, I think there was one that he may have wanted to have back. You know, the I think it was a post route, maybe inside the the five or the 10 yard line to Andrew Armstrong that came up a couple yards short. I'm not really sure what happened on that throw, but I, I mean, outside of that, I think KJ was, uh, he was pretty smart in the run game. Like, I think you saw his instincts take over, especially, um, you know, on that that play near the goal line, or I guess, it, I guess it was in the red zone where he just literally like had to pull the ball away from Dominic Johnson because uh, Dom was about to go down for a you know five or six yard loss probably, uh, but KJ turned that into a seventeen yard touchdown. Like that's just that's that's things that I think, even though it was pretty crazy play, I think that's something that it's kind of like yeah KJ can. He can kind of do that um, sharp through the air, I thought. Um, and he went, you know, went to a, he spread the wealth around to a bunch of different receivers and made guys feel like they were really involved in the game. Uh, they didn't re- really use him a lot in the run game, but he was still pretty, pretty solid when he when he ran with it. And, I, you know, I can't can't not talk about the play where it was kind of another I lift weights type play where, I mean, a linebacker had a free shot at him and the kid just like the linebacker bounced off of KJ and then KJ completes a first down ball to Andrew Armstrong. It's pretty nuts. Uh, I guess outside of KJ, I think my top thing was Isaiah Satania giving them some pop in the return game. I think he had 97 total return yards. Um, Arkansas hasn't had much electricity in the return game. Um, or or a guy that's like fielding punts or returning kicks that you feel like, man, he could be a, a total game breaker. Uh, but I think Isaiah gives gives Arkansas some of that. And Sam was talking after the game about, you know, he's dangerous now and we've got a, you know, they've got a weapon in, in Isaiah. So I, I'm, you know, in the next few weeks going to see if, if maybe Isaiah can remain consistent with that. I thought it was about as much as you would want to get out of a game like that. It would just, I think number one, you walk away from it and you got a big win, which was expected. And um, and you walked away not really that banged up, which is probably the biggest win of the entire uh, day for the Razorbacks, you know, with this grueling stretch that, you know, just kind of looms ahead whenever you it even starts with BYU, just BYU, LSU, 
um, that whole stretch of games. You don't want anybody down for that. And so I think that was probably the biggest thing was nobody got hurt. Um, but aside from that, I also thought it was uh, it was interesting to see these players that Sam is continually in the preseason um, just kind of been high on, like your Jaden Johnsons, your Brad Spence, and then come up with plays. It's one thing to you know, see a couple periods of practice and Jaden Johnson looks good in that. And then it's another to see him, you know, get an interception and force a fumble and be all over the field. Uh, Brad Spence get a pick six. Um, I just think it was one of those type of things where there was a lot of unproven players for the Razorbacks because we haven't really seen them do anything in a game setting. Talk about the whole batch of receivers as well. Um, It was just one of those games where it kind of just clarified a little bit of thing a little bit of things just from actually getting to put your eyes on these guys in a game yeah I thought the secondary was was pretty good overall maybe outside of like the deep ball that Jaheim Singletary gave up Uh, I think Jalen Braxton gave up um, kind of a chunk play I think over the middle of the field but Nudie again is like continuing that trend of you know early season picks he's got three picks in the first you know two weeks of the last couple seasons I mean, he's only got he's got five since he's been here. Um, so I don't know what it is that allows him to, I guess, kind of get out of the gates quick. Um, but anytime I can watch him, you know, do a uh, an interception celebration, I'm going to take it. That's I, I enjoyed that <laughs> a lot. Um, and it, w- it was choreographed. Jaden Johnson told me after the game the other day that Nudie told the guys in the secondary ahead of time what his celebration plans were um, if he was to come up with an interception. And he did. Um, but yet, like, um, Nudie, solid. I think he gave up one reception the other day, but it was for a four-yard loss. And so I think you'll take that any day of the week. Hudson Clark, again, I think Hudson Clark and, and Nudie just kind of showed their their savvy on their picks. And, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool to see Jaden Johnson um, kind of carry his fall camp to, to Little Rock. And that Brad Spence pick six was – had to be a really, really cool moment for him. And um, – I remember watching the play that Jaden Johnson came up with the the forced fumble, and I'm just like, maybe Jaden Johnson from last year he might miss that tackle, to be perfectly honest. And but this time he like broke down, made a play on the ball, and that's something Marcus Woodson stresses a lot when we're at practice. You know, when the guys are, are you know trying to pin a guy on the sideline, um, go for the football. I mean, if you don't get the if you don't knock the football loose, you at least knock the guy out of bounds. Um, that was a that's a big play for him, and uh, I, I'm curious to see if he can remain consistent with this. Because if he can, you know, with the playmakers they've got in the in the secondary, with like Snacks and and Nudie and even Al Walcott, he flashed a couple times the other day. I think that I think the Arkansas secondary could be you know kind of enjoyable to watch for a change. I think two things stood out to me Saturday. Well, I mean more than two things, but you know just a couple things that I want to say stood out to me. Uh, number one, I think Arkansas's conditioning was really good. It was hot, and I didn't realize how hot it was. You know, we're sitting in a, a, an air-conditioned press box, but you know, when I walked out after the game, it was just real steamy, and they were playing in some some real humid, hot conditions down there. You saw Western Carolina struggling with cramps the entire game. I don't know that I ever saw one Arkansas player come off the field with with cramping, and I think that. You know, when that's the case, some of it's good fortune, but I think that there's probably a lot of preparation that goes into that as well. And I think their strength staff, their their nutrition staff probably uh, deserves some credit for that. You know, the other thing that stood out to me was that it just didn't look like Arkansas ran anything other than than maybe what you would call its baseline offense and baseline defense. 
uh, you know, nothing real exotic. I don't think they wanted KJ Jefferson to run the ball very much. Uh, you know, you I mean you mentioned the play where he scored the touchdown on the run that was supposed to be a handoff to Dominic Johnson, and you know he ends up making a, a big play out of it. But you just didn't see him carrying the ball a whole lot. And then defensively, you know, it, it just nothing looked just real exotic again from from the defense. It was just kind of you know very generic. Uh, we're going to rush four defensive linemen, drop others back, put them in coverage. Uh, you know, everything just kind of looked like baseline. And and why I think that stands out to me is because of the Missouri State game last year when they weren't able to do that. They had to throw the entire kitchen sink at Bobby Petrino's team in the third and fourth quarter to be able to come back and win that game. And so when you're able to do that against a, a team that that you should overmatch athletically, talent-wise, I, I think that's a good sign for your team. Yeah, from a, like, from a defensive standpoint, I think one of the things that I was expecting to to read either on our message board or or elsewhere and I've even I mean I had a neighbor stop me yesterday and we were talking about the game and I think he was a little disappointed in the the pass rush but I think for a first game like against Western Carolina like you just you don't want to show your hand early like like at all and I, I kind of agree with the pass rush the pass rush thing to an extent um, but Arkansas did have you know, a number of tackles for loss and, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they, I don't ten, think they I sent, think, right. T- 10 tackles for loss. Yeah. That sounds about right. And, you know, they just, they didn't send more than four very often. Um, and so, you know, I would, I was kind of hoping to maybe see like a Trajan, Trajan Jeff coat, you know, maybe stand out a little bit just because he got a lot of, a lot of pub in the preseason, but Kevy Rose, I thought he played pretty well. Um, just got a lot of space eaters, and I think Arkansas's run defense was pretty good. Um, and Western Carolina, they did get the ball out pretty quick, you know, whenever they were able to. So that that right there is going to neutralize your pass rush a little bit. Um, but I thought when Arkansas wasn't able to get pressure, like they were, I thought they like this is going to sound cliche, but they flew the ball, um, tackled pretty well. Uh, I, I kind of like I like Jaheim Thomas too. You know that's. And I, I don't think I phrased the question very well in the post game, but that was like the first action that Jaheim has had since I think it was like December 17th. So like a couple of weeks, you know, before a lot of teams are, you know, playing in their bowl games is he didn't go through spring ball. So he didn't have a spring game. So this was like his literally his first game um, live action that, that wasn't a scrimmage. Um you know, in, in a long time, and he felt pretty comfortable. I think he had, I think he led them in 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 tackles, and I think he had a TFL on the first play of the game, almost picked off a pass too. So he looked pretty comfortable. I think that's, I think that's a really good thing right now, especially maybe when you're trying to take it a little bit easy with with Chris Paul because of that knee. And Arkansas ends up with two sacks. They probably could have ended up with more, but they get interceptions out of some of those quarterback hurries. It looked like it it caused the Western quarterbacks to just throw up some 50-50 balls and they were able to get interceptions out of those. That's what I was going to point out. I feel like they might have not gotten all the sacks that maybe some people expected, but Western Carolina's quarterbacks did not look comfortable at all on Saturday. I mean, they number one, they couldn't make up their mind to who they even wanted out there because whenever Gonzalez was out there at the beginning of the game, they just he he was rushing things. He wasn't necessarily throwing. He threw one interception, but he wasn't throwing interceptions he just couldn't run the offense very well he was throwing it away uh didn't really ever look comfortable and then they put in their backup charlie dean and he 
his problem was just decision making of he felt the pressure and he would just throw it into coverage. So I think that that pass rush, it, it, they might not have gotten the sack numbers, but they definitely got the turnovers and uh, and that'll get it done just as well. Scotty mentioned something about Isaiah Satania a minute ago, and it's something I want to go back to and, and just say something about, you know, in addition to those return yards that he had, he had a, a 55 yard return that was mostly nullified. He was able to get, I think, about 18 yards out of it. Uh, but because of a, a block in the pack back penalty that to me, it looked like it was a little bit away from, from the play. And, you know, I think you saw his playmaking ability there toward the end of that run where the, the block in the back wouldn't even, you know, been a consideration and, and what you're talking about, just kind of his elusiveness. Um, you know, sometimes it's not about breaking a hundred yard kickoff return for a touchdown. It's just about putting your team in a good position. And I thought he did that a couple of times, whether it be, you know, a little 12, 13 yard punt return that gets them onto the Western Carolina side of the field, whether it be with a, you know, 28, 30, 55, yeah, I know the 55 yarder didn't count, but you know, there's a 28 yard kick return. I think that he had that, that set him up uh, with a, a shorter field still on Arkansas side, but it was a shorter field. And I just think those little things like that can, can really be a contributing factor to your offense because, you know, like you said, Scotty, they just have not had that for the better part of the last three, four years or, or you know i guess even longer yeah i was going back and um of course we spent a good a good amount of time after the game trying to figure out what he actually finished the game with return yards wise my um, head hurt at the end of the game trying to, to yeah think it was, yeah it was kind of a mess <laughs> they, had some, we, they had some stat issues where we we just had no idea what his actual return yardage was you know due to all the penalties but but go on yeah stat broadcast and the the pdf that we got from um from oliver um, we're told two different stories, but the one that we got from Oliver had, I think had the numbers, right. But I, it, you know, I was looking to see, you know, how Isaiah's day in the return game kind of compared to what Arkansas had done as a team, um, and kick off and punt last year, or even going back to, to 2021, they had Arkansas had 105 punt return yards against Missouri state last year. You know, that, you know, the, the Bryce Stevens punt return factored into that. Mm-hmm big time but the last 10 games of last season Arkansas had 41 punt return yards and Isaiah had 51 on Saturday um so that's that's the pop that you want to see and then his his 46 kick kick return yards were the most Arkansas's had since they lost that wild game at Ole Miss in 2021 I mean they haven't had more than 46 yards since then which is it's it's pretty insane to me um Again, I don't know if this is going to be a weekly thing, um, but I definitely think Sam Pittman, Scott Fountain are going into week two, you know, with a lot more confidence, um, you know, that Isaiah can make some things happen in special teams, you know, whenever he touches the ball. Um, and, and, you know, we talk all the time about, um, you know, special teams can give you an, an advantage in terms of field position if you give KJ Jefferson a shorter field to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna take those odds that he's gonna go get you some points more often than not. I think some people might look at Arkansas's offensive numbers on Saturday and say, well, that wasn't very good because you're playing Western Carolina, but they scored seven offensive touchdowns. Yeah, what happened was they just were set up with a short field so often. Doesn't matter if it was a, a punt return to put them on Western Carolina side of the field. I think at least three maybe four of western carolina's turnovers were on that side of the field so they're set up with a 31 yard field or a 
48 yard field or something really short to where they just didn't have to do a whole lot with it. And I think that skews the offensive numbers. Ethan, I know you got thought. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, just touching on Satania again, it just, it felt like every time that he touched the ball, um, that something could happen. And he put him in, like, like you were just mentioning, in great field position so many times that the offense, it, it, that just changes the game so much. And I know that, you know, you have your Shane Beamers of the world, those coaches that pride themselves on special teams so much. Um, but it really, it really does make such a difference whenever you have a return man like him who, it, it just felt like anytime he touches the ball, you know, something could break. Or if he, if it doesn't break, the offense is going to be in good hands. And then, um, yeah, like you were just mentioning as well about the defense and those turnovers, it, it, it just felt like Arkansas offensively might not have had the yards, but they were in such short fields, whether it was a return game or those turnovers, the three first half ones all were on their side of the field. And it just kind of, kind of shut the door on Western Carolina before they ever even had a chance. One more thing about Satania, I noticed in, in the punt return, and I'm sure this was a coachable point on the sideline, it's his first punt return, he let it bounce, and it probably cost Arkansas about 10 to 15 yards of field position. You didn't see him let it bounce away from him any other times that game. There was one where I think he let it bounce, and then he caught it, and he ran with it, but you saw him get underneath it and fair catch, and, and those are all little subtle things uh, that I think go into good special teams play. Uh, we're if, talk I could about... add, if I could oh, add one more thing, I just yeah. went and looked at the stat broadcast feed again. Um, Arkansas had one, two, three, four, five drives that started on the Western Carolina side of the mm -hmm. field, and they got a touchdown out of all of them. So, yeah. yep, to y'all's point. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's 35 points and less than 250 yards of offense. So, I mean, it's the, I think the, the the numbers can can be a little bit skewed there as far as just having 309 or 79 yards of total offense. We're going to talk about the offensive line. That's uh, that's a topic that I think deserves its own separate conversation. And we'll do that here in just a minute. We want to tell you that the whole hog football podcast is sponsored by Kindle King design displays signage Kindle King dot com. That's K-E-N-D-A-L-K-I-N-G dot com. The Kindle King Group family of companies plays to win, just like our hogs. We know how demanding retail marketing is today. From digital omni-channel creative services, through in-store signing and displays, and finally to social influence, we've got you covered. Our KKG Inc. family of companies, Kindle King, Shopcart Creative, and Soapbox Influence are winning with multiple retailers and brands. We play to win and we'll be a winning partner for all your retail marketing service needs. Go Hogs! Stay on top of all Arkansas Razorback sports with a Digital Plus subscription on the Hogs Illustrated app. Get complete Razorbacks coverage in one location. Your subscription gives you 20 plus issues of Hogs Illustrated magazine, the most unique and compelling coverage anywhere in the state, plus total access to all the content on wholehogsports.com, including breaking news, commentaries, analysis, features, recruiting, award-winning photos, and premium message boards. Subscriptions start at just $17 per month. Join the Hog Sports Network team at subscribe.waco.com. That's subscribe.wehco.com. Or call 479-684-5509 to get your front row seat to Arkansas Razorback Sports. Go Hogs! Well, the offensive line play was the maybe the, the big talking point coming out of the game against Western Carolina because, you know, at least in terms of 
being able to, to push Western Carolina off the ball, Arkansas wasn't able to do that a whole lot uh, in, in the season opener. Pass protection was really good. K.J. Jefferson, I think there were two pressures on of him, or on him. One of them resulted in a sack. Uh, the other was in a hurry. I guess that would be the play where, where Scotty talked about where the defensive player just bounced off of him like he was a trampoline. Uh, but, uh, you know, not a whole lot of pressure on K.J. Jefferson or on Colby Criswell when he came in and played in the fourth quarter. Criswell put together a nice drive in his first action as a Razorback. Uh, but it's it's the run blocking that I think a lot of people are a little bit concerned with because Arkansas wasn't able to push Western Carolina off the ball. Uh, you know, one thing that I would say that I think, I guess kind of my thought coming out of it was I want to withhold a whole lot of judgment on the offensive line because you didn't see the first team offensive line that I think they wanted to put out there. Brady Latham didn't play. Uh, all indications are that he's going through a concussion protocol. Nobody will say for sure that that's what it is, but you know, reading between the lines, that's what we think is going on with him. So he didn't play instead of uh, him playing at left guard, Josh Braun, who's going to be their right guard moves over to the left side. That's his non-dominant side of the field. You got Tyke Crawford comes in and he plays right guard. And so you know, what you're really doing is you're playing with three starting linemen. Now, I'm talking about three players in their starting position. Braun's going to be a starter on the right side when Latham comes back, and we think that'll be for this week's game against Kent State. So, I mean, what, what are your thoughts about the offensive line? Sam Pittman touched on it Monday, said that, you know, he was disappointed they weren't able to blow Western Carolina off the ball. But after the game, he also said, let's not make a mountain out of a molehill here. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure he's seen some lines start pretty sluggish in the season and and they've gone on to get better uh just i wonder what are your thoughts as, as you look at the the line play against western carolina well kent state's coach kenny burns touched on it yesterday that he thinks that western carolina just did a really good job of loading up the box and you know they were kind of like oh if we're gonna win anything today we're just we're gonna win the run defense game it mm -hmm. was like they they chose one thing that they're not gonna let rocket sanders or the razorback running backs kill him he said that they loaded up the box and made Arkansas throw it so that's what Arkansas did um and they held up pretty well in pass protection for KJ so I, I don't think it's too much of a I mean of course you'd like to see them run the ball better against a team like Western Carolina but whenever they're loading the box like that and forcing you to throw it it's like Arkansas was forced to forced to get take what they were giving them and they they took it pretty well I think they knew that KJ Jefferson running the ball was not going to be something they were going to have to worry about because I, th I think you play, you don't, you don't put as many guys up there in the box like they were doing. If, if you think the quarterback keeper is going to be part of the, the offensive plan. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. And I would also, and this is kind of a captain obvious thing too, but like some of Arkansas's negative run plays had nothing to do with like actual run blocking, mm -hmm. you know, to, to, a, a good extent like the Bo Limmer bad snap I mean that's a team loss that's just like it was 19 it, yards yeah yeah that's a that's a huge setback right there that had nothing to do with like a running back reading anything or you know maybe a, a right guard like getting whipped on a play or something like that it had nothing to do with that and then the other one that I think about was the well, I think it was like an 11 yard loss by Rocket um, you know if he just I think if he I don't want to. I don't want to say he was like maybe pressing to make stuff happen, but it mm -hmm. definitely looked a little bit out of character for him to, you know, not run north and south primarily. Like he was kind of 
dancing around trying to figure out like trying to make something out of absolutely nothing um ended up dancing around and, and losing 11 yards where if you know maybe he just runs straight ahead maybe it's a minus one or a minus two on that mm -hmm. play um so if you just take those two plays that's 28 yards right there you know that um doesn't really have anything to do with with arkansas's run blocking but if you i was looking at uh, pro football focus numbers and they they've changed um since i made a post on the board about arkansas's uh linemen their starting line uh and their overall offense grades kudis was the only starting offensive lineman that graded out over 70 um, and he was at 77.3 and he was 75.3 in run blocking so he had a pretty solid you know, starting debut, I think. Everybody else, like Tykees Crawford was 67-8, Limmer was 64-9, and, and Limmer, I think, was, and Sam said this yesterday too, and we saw him kind of like flexing that hand a yeah, little bit. Yeah, kept holding his hand, that, his wrist uh, yeah. area. Yeah, I think it was that snap hand. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think there was, you know, some, some like the heat and humidity literally played a factor in, in him uh, being able to snap the ball. Maybe he goes with a glove um, in the, you know, in the future, but um yeah, Chambly, Chambly, when PFF first put their numbers out on Sunday, Chambly was right underneath Patrick Kudis in terms of overall grade, um, but Chambly dropped to 64.5, and, and Josh Braun was at 63. Um, I was kind of surprised that, that Braun's grade was where it was, just because he's got... I know, I, I think it was a 2021 season when he, he played the most at, at Florida, but he does have, you know, quite a bit of experience. So, um, mm -hmm. I don't, yeah, I think in terms of, you know, in a lot of ways, I don't think there's, there's anywhere, anywhere to go, but, but up for this offensive line, um, moving forward. And I think there, there, there's going to be like a hyper focus with, with Cody Kennedy this week to, um, got to be able to establish the run, right? Like that opens up that opens up KJ and, and, you know, all the weapons that you have. Yeah. One more big play for loss was uh, KJ Jefferson's sack. He got strip sacked and had to go back and fall on the ball back right. at about the two yard line. You take away that play, the play you mentioned against or by, by rocket Sanders and then the bad snap. And all of a sudden, instead of averaging 2.9 yards per carry, they average over four yards per carry. I just did the math here. It'd be about 4.1 yards per carry. And it probably still doesn't alleviate some of the concerns that they had not being able to get as, as big of a run in some of the short yardage plays. Uh, but it, it does make you feel a little bit different, I think, about the run game as a whole, uh, because, you know, all of a sudden, I mean, you you average four yards a carry. That's that's not a bad day at the office from a, a running standpoint. You average under three, and and especially when you're against a, a team that you, you feel like you should overmatch, then it does become a little bit of a concern. Um, at left tackle, I think that it's still – up for grabs who's going to be the starting left tackle i mean i know it's you know chambly i think he's still listed as starting left tackle this week but you still feel like it's going to be between he and dev and manual uh you know kind of going back and forth with the first team offense during these games until they figure out which one of them works best with this first team line and, and i'm really interested to see how they work this week with brady latham because i feel like so much of playing on the left side that tackle position is, is who's playing next to you and I feel like Latham can provide a little bit of a steadying force, possibly for the for whoever that left tackle is. Yeah, if you look at the the Pro Football Focus numbers, just the snap count, Chambly played forty nine snaps at at tackle, and uh, Devin Manuel played twenty. 
to the point on Latham, he was back in a green no contact jersey on Monday. And when I was watching some position drills, it looked like they had him slotted it at that uh, that left guard spot. So maybe that's an indication that you know they're they're getting him ramped up and ready to go for the weekend. I will add that I think that this is a great week if you're trying to get things right on the offensive line and open up the running game some. Kent State fresh off of a game where they uh, allowed almost 400 rushing yards, and UCF set their program record for yards per carry. Uh, so it's a good, it's probably a good opponent, you know, to bounce back from, you know, having a little bit con- bit of concern about the run blocking. Uh, to have Kent State coming to town, really a good chance with you know working Latham back back in there, and then getting some of these guys a little bit more experience. This is probably a good type of opponent to have coming into town. So, Ethan, you watched the Kent State game the other night because you do our scouting reports. On, on I'm sorry teams. that you had to do that. <laughs> you took one for the team. Uh, t- tell me, am I wrong? UCF had like 700 yards of offense and they committed three or four turnovers? Yeah, I think 700 may be lowballing it. Or, no, you're, it was like 723, so okay. in that realm. And, uh, and that came with them committing three turnovers, yeah, so – UCF hung 56 points despite having three turnovers and uh, had 700 plus yards. Uh, so yeah, it was it wasn't pretty for Kent State. That's probably the understatement of the year. You've you've been harping on this since the preseason. You think, or you thought? We'll see if it turns out this way. But you thought that Western Carolina might be a tougher opponent for Arkansas than Kent State even though Western Carolina is FCS and Kent State is FBS yeah well my main the main reason I felt that way is that Kent State is under a first year head coach they replaced everybody on offense from a team that already wasn't very good offensively Um, they have only four returners on defense and Western Carolina I know they're in the FCS or yeah in the FCS ranks but they uh they're a pretty veteran team. Like they have a lot of experience together. They, they're like riding the high of a, they finished the year strong. They're going to be juiced up. I just think Kent state right now is probably them and Arkansas state are neck and neck right now for maybe the worst team in the FBS. That's, um, that's kind of where they're at right now. Well, coming into the year, Bill Connolly at ESPN, he, he does his S and P rankings and coming into the season, he had Kent State 132nd out of 133 FBS teams. The only team that he had worse than Kent State was UMass, who I think they got clobbered by Auburn in their season opener the other day, or maybe it was their second game of the year. I think they played during the, the week zero. But the point being, they did not compare well with an SEC team at all. And, you know, one just one more thought before we leave today. We'll, we'll preview Kent State more on our uh, end-of-the-week podcast. But... I asked Sam Pittman about this yesterday. It feels like there's going to have to maybe be an emphasis this week on not overlooking your opponent because Arkansas won by so much. And even though they've got things they got to clean up overall, they look, you know, I I think fairly good against Western Carolina in their season opener. And then you got Kent state who loses by 50 in its season opener. I, I just feel like there's a, there's a potential this week for overlooking Kent state and maybe not playing your best ball because maybe you haven't practiced as well knowing that you know hey you could probably just show up and and beat this team and so he's talked throughout the offseason about he really likes his team leadership 
uh, I feel like that's th that team leadership is going to have to be uh, really maybe strong, uh, a, a really strong point of uh, of this week for the Razorbacks in their practice getting ready for this game. I think maybe if Arkansas didn't have KJ, that might be the case. Um, but like, I don't remember like the last time that KJ started a game and you just like, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like Arkansas is just gonna, Arkansas is going to be focused. Um, I think they're kind of past that. And I think that's part of like the roster is, I think, a little bit more mentally mature than it has been in the past. Mm -hmm. um, and you've got, I think you've got respected voices on both sides of the ball that just aren't going to let that happen. And the coaches, I don't think, are going to let that happen either. I think, and I think Sam, since he's been here, has been pretty good about getting his team to be be pretty present minded. Um, like you can look at fifty six to six and think you're going to coast, but, um, and they, I mean, they probably will. I don't even know what the spread is, but I would assume it's probably astronomical. Um, I just I don't expect Arkansas to like offense runs out on the field it's a quick three and out and it takes them a little bit to like get going i just i don't know i I think i'm i'm past the point of them you know just kind of floating through a game like this like they've got loads and loads and loads of talent um a lot more talent than than kent state obviously and i don't, I don't think they'll have any issue put putting them away or, or starting fast because that's been a huge emphasis all preseason whether it's with the fastball or um you know, that, that bubble drill that they do. I mean, it's been physical from the get go in, in practice. And, uh, I think we, I think we saw that kind of come into fruition last, last week. And, uh, I don't, I don't think it'll be any different this week either. Uh, the, the betting, the, go ahead. Ethan. I was going to say, I think that the team depth, especially defensively kind of helps with that too, that there's a lot of rotating guys in and out right now where it's, I think there's a sense of a lot of guys, they feel like they're still, you know, trying to earn their, earn their snaps and, I just think there's too many people that are still in that in that zone where they don't feel like they can overlook a single play. They know that there's enough depth all throughout the lineup that if 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 they don't show up, there's going to be some other guys that probably do. So I, I'm kind of with Scotty on that, that I think that just kind of the composition of the team, not only with just having, you know, KJ as your team leader, but also just this depth right now. It'd be hard for me to see them coming in and just kind of sleeping. Uh, the betting line, depending on who you ask, uh, anywhere from 37.5 to 38.5 points. And by comparison, I think it was a 34.5 point line for Arkansas and Western Carolina this week. So not a lot of uh, not a lot of respect for Kent State out there in Vegas uh, based on the way they played UCF. Arkansas, a big, big favorite. In fact, boy, I, I, I don't know the last time Arkansas was this big of a favorite. Uh, I, I, that would be interesting to go up, go back and maybe look up this week. It's it's been a while since Arkansas was this big of a favorite, especially over an FBS team. A lot of times you don't see FCS teams uh, even even have a betting line because it's just such of a, a mismatch. So Arkansas, big favorite over Kent State this weekend. It's going to be a 3 o'clock kickoff at Razorback Stadium. It'll be on SEC Network. Hope you'll come to wholehogsports.com throughout the week for all of our coverage leading up to the game. And we'll be back with another podcast later in the week to preview the Razorbacks and the Golden Flashes. For Scotty Bordelon and Ethan Westerman, I'm Matt Jones. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time on the Whole Hog Football Podcast. The proceeding has been a production of the Hog Sports Network. Look for our daily podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.
For more Razorbacks coverage, go to wholehogsports.com or follow the Hog Sports Network reporters on social media.